I guess where I got to was, look, I think I can probably be a bit of a conduit to sort of get people inspired about these pursuing their passion quests and, and passion projects, which for whatever reason often fall to the wayside. We get busy, we have kids, we get into careers that feel like they're so extremely important and all-consuming that we forget the little simple pleasures of life. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. As you can hear, I'm really excited this week to bring to you a rather epic human, really, doing rather epic stuff. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, Gorgeous Mike. Uh, It's such a privilege to have you on the show, and I'm really excited about today's conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I've been pumped about uh, catching up with you all week, and extra pumped because we've we've recently I've had you on my show so I feel like we've got lots of kind of good positive energy to riff off <laughs> <laughs> I reckon and I reckon I just love I love the fact that you're all about doing epic stuff and I know things like that don't just happen out of one day waking up and deciding that your whole life is based on doing epic stuff there has to be a backstory and something that actually led you to realizing that life is more about the epic things that we get the opportunities to do. Could you fill us and the beautiful listeners in on your story and what led you to being here and who you are today? Sure thing. At the risk of rambling, just pull me out if I go in some sort of rabbit hole here because I feel like backstories are so tricky. Uh, Because I guess within the, the, you know, we do so many different things uh, even in one given day, we have so many things going on, let alone a lifetime of pursuits. Um, and I guess I'm probably learning that more and more as I go along and probably that cross-pollinates to my interest of kind of time management and mastery of time. But um, we can chat about that a little bit later. I guess my, my journey has been um, one kind of, I guess, primarily I, I've sort of tried to live a life where I've pursued things that interest me and prioritized my passions uh, wherever possible. Um, I kind of came from a background of having, I finished high school, went to quite a prestigious private school, which was nice, a little bit of a bubble kind of bringing up there in a nice area in Melbourne, um, but sort of finished that stint of school, um, not really having a clear understanding of who I was, what I was really capable of, and really what I was what I was all that interested in, in terms of pursuing a career. Um, yeah, I, I kind of came away from the whole thing with a lot of questions and not really knowing what to do next. Um, and obviously once you finish high school, kind of the training wheels come off a little bit more and there is a lot more onus kind of on you overnight to start making decisions, which impact your life. Uh, so I kind of went and did a couple of different, uh, university, Uh, and TAFE level accreditations. I started off in IT, information technology. I was figured out I'm good with computers. Let's look at that. Realized very quickly that uh, a lifetime behind a computer screen was not for me. Uh, So I branched out of that into um, doing a business advertising uh, advanced diploma at RMIT, which uh, was kind of more in my wheelhouse. I liked kind of the energy and creative aspects of, of advertising. Um, 
So I decided to pursue that fully. I ended up getting work in the industry and and end of the day, I ended up doing about probably 15 to, you know, over 15 years of of advertising industry, Um, working in agency side a lot of the time. Um, Also, uh, I actually branched out to launching my own digital agency at one point, Um, but that kind of came a little bit further down the track. And I guess what I took away from all of that advertising work I was doing was that a lot of it was really, really high in a high stress environment, uh, especially the agency stuff uh, where you never had enough time um, to really complete the tasks you had on any given day. There was a lot of stress working on a lot of different clients. Um, and I kind of, that, that was one part of it. The stress was very high, which, which can sometimes be like a pressure cooker for personal development. But I also saw a lot of people crushed by it. Uh, my way to get around that was, when I, even though I had this kind of stressful uh, career, I always was doing stuff on the side. So uh, whether it was um, kind of being involved in adventure sports, like I'm an avid mountain biker, uh, I love surfing, um, and I, I kind of rock climbing and all sorts of different physical pursuits, I kind of realized I could offset a lot of that stress um, by being involved in those things. So I always kind of had that going on behind the scenes. Um, so I kind of worked away in, in the industry, continued on, uh, continued on with my little side passion projects and kind of got to a point where I realized that the, the advertising industry itself, although it was providing me with, uh, financial remuneration, you can get quite a comfortable career, uh, working in that industry, make pretty good money. Uh, in terms of the pieces of business I had worked on, I kind of found that I wasn't really feeling very fulfilled from, I guess, a spiritual side uh, and, in, and definitely not from a, affecting any sort of positive change in my world sort of side of things. So I kind of came to the realization a little while back that, you know, maybe longer term, this isn't really for me. I don't want to stay in it. At one point, I dipped my toe in the water of being a digital, uh, yeah, as I said, as, being, as running my own or bootstrapping my own digital agency startup, uh, which I enjoyed that experience for sort of four or five years, just running my own company, learning the ropes of being a business owner rather than just being in the business. Um, long story short, I mean, I made a lot of money for, for people who subcontracted for me, but I myself didn't make that much money because my business acumen in terms of what it took to scale a business I mean, I did the entire thing from scratch with no tutelage. I just kind of went head first, which is kind of, I guess, if you were to put something on my tombstone, it would probably say he went head first into everything he was doing. So, yeah, I guess learning through experience has been, uh, through hands-on experience has kind of been my thing. So I've kind of, over those years that I had been working in the industry, pursuing my passion pursuits, which were often physical type things, I kind of, a few realizations came out. One was that when I challenged myself uh, in a non-business context, so things like uh, some friends and I bootstrapped a charity event to raise awareness, awareness for the Livestrong Foundation. Uh, so we had to raise 10K. And by raising 10K, we got shortcut tickets to participate in the New York Marathon. There was a lot of work that went into that to execute on it and then to actually get ourselves over to New York and then participate in the marathon when we weren't necessarily marathon runners. 
I found that doing little projects like that on the side, the confidence it gave me um, was something that I took back to the boardroom. So I would go in and whereas previously to doing that, I might've been a bit nervous about presenting to C-suite execs or trying to pitch my ideas for a media strategy. After doing things like that, these business type things, which maybe scared me in the past, just didn't seem to scare me so much. So I guess I've, that was kind of the nugget of, of, of an idea, which was, you know, maybe through this cross-pollination of things, there's something in that that can be uh, maybe a business. And I also saw that like the people that I worked with in the advertising industry, a lot of the time their life was work, 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 uh, go out and party, go home, sleep off the hangover and then go back to work. There wasn't anything much happening outside of just this pursuit of work. And I was having a pretty good time because I managed to kind of offset it with these things that were kind of passions outside of work. And I kind of figured that my other kind of kernel of interest was, you know, can more people be doing the sort of stuff that I'm doing and getting so much joy out of it? Why aren't they doing it? And I wonder if I can sort of be a conduit for them doing this sort of stuff. Like, can I get people who've never, uh, who've, who've never really been interested in sports get interested enough in something like a combat sport to actually participate in it when that just seems so scary to the average Joe who, who may not have ever thought about doing something like that. So I guess where I got to was, look, I think I can probably be a bit of a conduit to sort of get people inspired about these pursuing their passion quests and, and passion projects, which for whatever reason often fall to the wayside. We get busy, we have kids, we get into careers that feel like they're so uh, extremely important and all-consuming that we, we forget the little simple pleasures of life like, oh, geez, I used to really be into soccer or, you know, I, I actually had this idea about five, ten years ago about launching a startup which was going to deliver donuts and flowers, but that all fell to the wayside because now I work 12-hour day in corporate and it's all pretty much all-consuming. So I guess I kind of have developed this self mission, which is I want to get people more reconnecting back with those, those passion purposes, those interests, which give them so much excitement and joy in their life. And and I think has given me so much purpose and joy in my life. So that's kind of led to this launching of this doing epic stuff concept, which um, if to to strip it all back, really what it's about is um, empowering people to go out there and pursue whatever their extraordinary is. And by that, I mean, it doesn't mean they don't have to, they have to suddenly become Elon Musk, but it's totally subjective. So for me, it's to, to launch this startup and to get it to the point where it's creating positive impact and financially sustainable. That is my extraordinary. And that's what I'm going full steam at at the moment. But for someone who's really busy, it might be as simple as reconnecting with a passion that they've, that they've lost um, for whatever reason, or creating the environment in their life where something they are passionate about gets more love. You know, an example of that might be, I've recently started coaching, uh, my niece's under 11s basketball team. It's like a little side passion project. And, and that, you know, I don't get paid for that, but the joy I get out of that is, is, you know, I can't put a, a kind of measurement on that. So, 
you know, being able to adjust our lives to make these differences, to be able to always be exploring these things, which we're really, truly interested about. That's kind of, that's my jam, I think at the end of the day. And that's kind of taken me to where I am now. I love it. And I absolutely applaud you for having the gumption, the guts to go out and do that. I'd love to go back just a little bit to the advertising world because you know, as a hypnotherapist, I truly believe that we are living in a trance 24-7. We are all hypnotized to one level or another. And I always am fascinated at ads on television or radio, <laughs> or um, I'm always interested and curious as to how they grasp our attention and what they do. And Without sounding cynical about the advertising world and appreciating that it's the advertisements that help pay for mainstream television and things like that, which for some people it's really important, how, what would you say uh, is the beauty of the industry and maybe even the ugly side of the industry, apart from the partying and the, because I've seen that as well, but is there a hypnotic trance that you have this idea of seducing people into is it really that bad is it <laughs> give me the good the bad and the ugly wow i'm going to start with the the beauty side of it uh because it would be too easy to riff on the ugly side sometimes because you know i for one can certainly share a, a, like a deep-seated dislike for advertising most of the time like it, it is at its worst, it's it's so invasive and and lowbrow, uh, but at its best, it can be inspirational to people. I think, you know, you look at brands like Nike, for example, um, which at their best have championed things like empowering uh, women in sport, um, and you know, sp- sp- invested very very heavily in bringing to life their creative ideals, which have then empowered positive change in other people like youth seeing a Nike ad and seeing people reach for the stars and that inspiring positive change in their own lives. I think from a creative viewpoint, that can be extremely, extremely uh, powerful. I think whether in the industry really struggles and, and where it sort of falls to the ugly side a lot and why it's full of cowboys who it can be very difficult to work out who is a a decent operator and who is just full of crap in that industry because there is just so much money in it. And the amount of money circulating, it just basically means that anyone who who can even hang their hat on any sort of, uh, I guess, potential of bringing that money through the advertising industry or to, to get a slice of it puts up their hand and jumps into it. And that's why you end up with these systems and and let's take the agency model, for example, which I've spent a large amount of my life working in. Uh, You know, working in an agency is you always feel like you've got too much to do. Uh, And the reason for that is that the model exists on having too much to do for the people who work at it. It only works if you have too many clients with too much business uh, and a lot of cash coming in and and maybe not that many people working on the business to sustain the inflow of constant a uh, new business new business new business so i guess you know the systems and structures behind what makes the machine work and i guess i worked in the less glamorous side of the industry which is media so i'm i'm the guy or one of the guys who would have been trying to work out 
you know, on what channel or even on what uh, medium, should it be the internet? Should it be the radio? Should it be television? Where should we put this advertisement in order to reach the person who is most likely to take action on whatever we're promoting? Uh, so, you know, there's a whole dark art to that. But I guess it's easy to kind of see it. I guess what we see as consumers of content is a lot of the negative, which is loud, angry, cheap ads, especially on the internet, like crappy banner ads and that sort of thing. But where it can be great, let's go back to my example of someone who wants to create a startup um, business that is going to sell flowers and donuts delivered to uh, certain people. You've found a niche that you realize like flowers and donuts are the thing. People want that. Uh, it's, it's turned out that uh, under 12 birthday parties are the niche and I've got to reach the parents of under 12s so that I can send these flowers and donuts parties uh, and sell them to them because they're going to buy them for their children, right? They're going to set up a flower and donut party. Without advertising and without the kind of systems that we have now, the self-service advertising systems, some of them like Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram to advertise through, it would have been almost impossible for a little, a little person with, with a little idea to, to reach that niche without them engaging a big company with all the bells and whistles to do that. So I think where it's kind of, kind of become a potentially beautiful thing is it gives people's ideas the access to an audience uh, that, it may ne- that they may never have been able to get themselves. Um, so any, any person, yourself included, Kim, if you had the time, could jump online and spend a couple of days researching how to set up their first Facebook and Instagram advertising campaign and literally be on the tools and sending out their first advertisement to reach a few thousand people with their flour and donuts idea within a few days. Um, When 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility. You had to go and book directly with a radio company or try and good luck trying to touch base with a television station and try and secure a television ad unless you've got sort of $20,000 to play with. So I think on that side of things, the ability for it to give the legs or or to to give ideas the potential to grow because most ideas need money in order for them to become sustainable. Otherwise they're just kind of hobbies. I think that side of things uh, I, I can, I can see the beauty in from the advertising industry. Yeah, it's, it's pretty profound and powerful. And, you know, I also appreciate that then what I see on television or in newspapers can obviously sometimes be very slanted or there's an agenda because of this. And the example mm. I give is we were offered a television show after six months of hounding TVNZ back in New Zealand. My girlfriend and I had this amazing concept and we were just so excited and um, finally, after six months, I'm sure they just gave it to us because we were so annoying, but they finally <laughs> said we had a major sponsor who would feature ads throughout the, the program and to come in. And, of course, we had a very strict agenda on what we wanted to put in the show and how we wanted to you know, reach our beautiful mums of young children and how to make them feel good about themselves um, when they're so busy and exhausted. And, you know, this company came on board. It was 
it was L'Oreal actually. And we just sat there and no disrespect to the company. It's a huge, incredibly successful company, but their values did not align with ours. Mm -hmm. And we just knew that we were about to be dictated to and told what we'd have to say and how the things that we said were not in line even with, with their values. So (laughs) I then, they were horrified that we turned the show down but I just couldn't for the life of me know that I would sleep at night knowing that I'd be saying things that weren't actually my truth. So I feel that side of the advertising world or knowing that major drug companies who have the money are the ones that advertise, which then stops people being able to speak their truth in a a show because, you know, during that show, the ad's going to come on, there's a conflict of interest. And I just find that side of life, um, even if we use it as a metaphor about what you're doing, about following your passion, living your purpose, being true to yourself and actually exploring the excitement and joy that these things can bring you. I can't imagine how easy that would have been for you in that world, but also the lessons, as you say, that you got from it. And so I want to go into the the fact that all the things you learned from that, because let's face it, as a speaker, as a podcaster, as somebody who does support and coach people to do these things, every single day, every one of us are quite frankly selling ourselves. We are selling our service. We are promoting what we do. And it wasn't until one speaker trainer said to me, Kim, by not telling people what you have to offer, you're doing a disservice. How have you managed to um, traverse that pathway where you're still selling and advertising yourself? What's the line? What's the fine line for those of us that want to share our love, our passions, our purpose, our skills, and our tools without, I guess, offending or stepping on toes? Or is that not our problem? That's the person receiving its problem. (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a really really good question. Uh, there's probably a few parts to that. I think, you know, one of the key things which you've already touched on, um, Kim, is is that need for understanding what your principles are, and you know, this this kind of this process of defining one's principles is something that, in my experience, very few people have taken the time uh, to kind of sit down. And think about and and write these things down. It's it's something. It's a habit I've gotten into, and something that I actually, as part of the kind of time management, time mastery coaching I do, is kind of having is developing principles is one of the one of the parts of the process. So, I think that's really key. So, kind of understanding where you know what 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 you what you can do and still be true to yourself is is probably one of the the first things. You really need to work out um, because I think your principles always going to be challenged, especially when it comes, when revenue comes in and money comes into the equation. Let's take L'Oreal, for example. I'm sure that, you know, at some point their principles have changed. Probably they changed when they became a really, really big business and got public status shareholders if they are publicly listed. And suddenly their priorities probably became much more about revenue than about you know, whatever their original values were. So, and principles can change. That's totally fine. But I think if you're not really aware of them or have defined them, there's a real risk in kind of losing your way. I I can say with my doing epic stuff 
concept. Um, you know, one of the first things I did as I was developing it was to uh, work on the doing epic stuff principles, um, along with kind of working out, you know, what my purpose is, clearly defining it, defining my mission, which is to empower people to find and follow more of their extraordinary. But I'll, I'll run through a couple of the principles that I have for doing epic stuff, which I kind of use as they're as much North stars for myself um, and things that I've learned as they are kind of, I guess, principles that I want to communicate that people could kind of go, okay, I can, you know, that's something that I can think of and refer to that as a little bit of a North star uh, in terms of finding and following my own passions. So uh, one of them is some way finding required. So that is that finding and living your extraordinary life is a, is a real process. Uh, losing your way is not kind of a likely thing to happen. Like it's, it's definite, you're going to get lost, but that that's all part of it. Uh, and only through sort of realizing that and embracing it, can we really move forward in this constant uncertainty? Because that's what life is really. And then at the end of the day, we're always uncertain. We've got to find a way to keep kind of plugging away or moving forward towards the things that really interest us. Um, another one is switching grooves. So switching grooves is cool. It's, it's okay to kind of switch grooves. Like change is actually good for us, but we have this, the narrative is all about how we have, we fear change. And uh, it, it, if we, if we see it, if we perceive it as, as a risk, you know, I think the risk is that it will debilitate us. It will stop us moving forward. Again, it will stop us pursuing things that we love. Um, you know, if we can give ourselves license to switch grooves, which I have myself, right? I'm an advertising dude <laughs> at, at the end of the day. That's where my experience is. But my passions and interests don't lie with advertising. They lie in this, in this kind of realm of um, empowering people to follow their, their own passions. So I've given myself license to switch groups. I, get, I gave myself license last year to become a podcaster. I'd never podcasted anything my, in my life until June last year. Now I've got my own channel. Uh, I'm talking to wonderful, interesting people like yourself. Nobody told me I could do that. In fact, for a long time, I thought to myself, that's crazy. I can't do that. But then when you think about it, you can actually just switch and be whatever you want. And then if you give yourself license to do that, it just suddenly happens. And the last one I'll talk about, which isn't the last of the principles, but one that I kind of um, is kind of true to heart for me, I think, is that uh, action makes me feel good. Right? That's one that I always fall back on. And I think, you know, if I'm not doing things, if I spend too much time being strategic, which is something that a trap I can fall into having been uh, a, a digital media strategy executive for so many years and been about planning and thinking and this sort of thing, I can default into that. But the reality is when I do things, I immediately get a reward, whether that's even thinking, geez, today I should just, you know, I feel a bit stale. I should get up and go for that run. Uh, and I know I'm going to feel better after it. Like that action mindset has paid me back in innumerable ways. And I continue to like on a daily basis, if I'm having any sort of dip, action makes me feel good is the first thing I think. So I jump straight into, you know, let's start to doing more development work on doing epic stuff or let's get our ass up, go for a run, go and train some Muay Thai. And I've never come back from doing something like that and felt worse than before. So yeah, there's just a couple of pillars or principles that I kind of refer to myself. 
I love it. I absolutely love it because they're so appropriate, whether we're a stay-at-home mum, a full-on CEO, someone who's starting up a new business or someone who's studying. I think these principles can align with all of us. So knowing that we're all selling each day and every day, knowing that if we align it to our passion, our purpose, our truth, knowing that other people are doing the same thing, whether it's a small or a large company, whether it's being taken over or whether there's a corporate revenue profitability at stake or whether it's a start out, understanding we're all in this together. What would you say is the most inspiring kind of business or person or or thing that you've come across? What lights you up the most? What stands out to you when you see someone living their passion and their purpose? Mm. Wow, that's a good one. I feel more and more people are connecting with uh, these sort of passion-filled lifestyles and finding out ways to make them financially sustainable too. Um, so that, that to me, you know, we're in the kind of the midst of this creator uh, revolution where people are, are more inspired to do that because people have been having success uh, doing that. Um, maybe I think Look, I'll talk about uh, Sylvie von Douglas Itu, who has was one of my first podcast guests, actually. And I might just quickly give the backstory on that. Um, so Sylvie is a professional Muay Thai fighter, Muay Thai being the Thailand's national sport and otherwise known as the art of eight limbs. So it's a combat sport. You can punch and kick, you can knee and you can elbow. So a very kind of dangerous, even on on the spectrum of combat sports, it's up towards the more hardcore because it is really uh, the practitioners train extremely hard. It's a dangerous sport and it can be seen as kind of, as, well, I mean, it can't be seen. It is a violent sport, but it is also extremely beautiful and there's a lot of heritage and culture um, when people get into the ring, they perform a Y crew, which like, is like a up to five minute dance, which is kind of them getting into their um, their flow or their mind state, which is extremely beautiful. You see these these Thai, uh, almost like Thai ballerinas, uh, doing this this dance, and then they go to war with each other. So there's there's all sorts of aspects to it, which makes it not just blood sport sort of thing. But Sylvie, um, I happen to chance meet her while in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand. And I'd done a little bit of back, uh, actually, I'd been following her blog for a while. And she's the Westerner with the greatest amount of professional Thai fights in Thailand. Uh, So she's got over 250 fights now. Um, So if you were to think about the, you know, what that kind of means, I mean, even, even sort of articulate how much of a massive feat that is, I mean, training for one tie fight is the sort of thing that an individual might do for for an extensive period of time and never actually do because it is just such a a huge, momentous, uh, scary thing and it takes so much discipline. So she's in the 250s, which makes her kind of godlike in the Muay Thai scene. Um, I saw her fight uh, at this Chiang Mai uh, stadium and then because Thailand's Thailand, you know, straight after the fight is finished, they're in between the crowd sitting down. Uh, they might have a chat, that sort of thing. And I got to have a chat with Sylvie and she was super lovely and personable. And we talked about the fight for a bit. And then you know, I hadn't actually 
executed a podcast before, but I'd been thinking about launching, doing epic stuff for a while. I was traveling at the time. And on the spur of the moment, I sort of, I said to Sylvie, Sylvie, can I interview you uh, for my podcast? Not really explaining that I didn't actually have one, but this was the start of it. And she said, yep, straight away. And she jumped on board. So I ended up uh, interviewing her as my first podcast, which, you know, I was packing my DAX when I did that. She was, it was a Skype interview. She was driving to a fight and she had her dog in the car. And I was interviewing this woman who I idolize, who's a real master of her passion, which is Muay Thai. Um, so that's kind of the backstory on how I met her. And I think, you know, I see her as almost the, the northernmost North star of, of somebody who impresses me because what she's managed to do is she's followed, she's followed Muay Thai full time from for the last sort of 15 years and participated in it. And the way she supported herself is through uh, constantly producing content through her blog and things like that but she's also built it up to the point where she has a Patreon following. I've been sponsoring Sylvie for a couple of years now. So I, I flick five or $10 a month to her every month because one of her side projects, which she does is to catalog all the living greats of Muay Thai in Thailand, who a lot of them, you know, after a Korean fighting can end up destitute. They usually go back to their home village. These, these uh, older Thai guys, men and women, go back to their village and set up a gym. But a lot of them turn to drink and things like this because once you've lost your ability to earn, uh, it can become very difficult for a past you know, Muay Thai hero to, to live life. Also, once you, you lose that adrenaline rush, what your purpose, you lived and breathed uh, Muay Thai, which is three hours training in the morning, three hours training in the night. It's a full lifestyle. Uh, She's taken the time to start cataloging these people, doing one-on-ones with them, uh, sessions of training, create that as content and put it on the internet, and which this content would never have seen the light of day. So she has so many reasons for me to root for her, like as, as what she's doing as a human um, in her own pursuits, what she's doing to keep the culture and the sport alive, um, that I'm, I'm all in on her mission, you know? And I think, She's totally transparent with her highs and her lows. You know, she talks about uh, struggles with depression and, but also, you know, things about like diet, she's experimenting and all that sort of thing. So I, I feel like she's really, she understands Sylvie, the business. She understands Sylvie, the person, and she's made the two work together in perfect kind of synergy, which I think at the end of the day is the goal for, for any of us who are trying to, launch a passion and turn it into a business. So, yeah. Oh, that's so inspiring and so beautiful and probably touches my heart as well because my husband being a former New Zealand cricketer and watching and having a real interest in top professional athletes, um, all blacks, netballers, top um, tennis players, golfers, people that are paid very well when they're at the coalface, when they're in their prime. And then all of a sudden it's through a decision or an objective um, process or injury or, you know, lack of motivation, something, all of a sudden they find themselves on the junk heap of life. And to go from earning good money, perhaps um, having even, you know, you can't put a price on status or, um, you know, being godlike, like you say, and being revered by so many people. But as youth goes, as talent fades, as time goes by, many of these people then start to question who the hell they are. And what I love about what you're saying is that 
for people to continue where they have given their lives the amount of training and rehab and focus and mindset and things like massage and all the things they've invested their money in to keep us entertained, it seems really sad to imagine that so many of them are forgotten whilst the next lot of talent comes through. Mm-hmm. What would be your greatest piece of advice to someone listening to this or someone with an aspiring athlete in their family? Um, maybe a mum and a dad have got a really talented kid or maybe they're watching their partners come to the end of their career. Mm. Is there any advice you would give for them to continue to live an epic life after that sport that you've noticed? Yeah, that's that's a really tricky one, isn't it? I mean, as you were saying, uh, Kim, the you know, taking away that 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 rush of that thing and all the different ways that it, it, it kind of adds value to your life can be absolutely devastating. And look, I'm I'm far from from a considering myself like a professional sports coach or anything like that. But I think that again, going back to the basics of, you know, your why, your purpose, revisiting those things, like what really is important to you, trying to kind of define or redefine, you know, revisit your principles again, revisit your purpose for living again, do some a little bit more internal exploratory sort of work, uh, putting that time aside or making the time in your life for that kind of internal review type stuff, I think is always going to pay dividends. I think one of, one of the other little things you can do is, is spend the time to try and define your outcome vision for the year. You know, it doesn't even have to be like a massive one. It could be for this year, maybe bring your horizon, not so big picture, but bring in a little bit shorter picture. If, if the big picture is scaring you kind of think about, well, okay, what's my outcome vision? Maybe for just these six months, like what would make me happy in these six months? Can I define that? And if I can, that's great. Let's now move, move on to the action makes me feel good stuff. I'm going to create the steps in my process to reach that. So I think anyone in, in any part of life or any sort of, whether it's professional or personal, going back to, to your roots, your, your purpose, your why, uh, looking at your principles and trying to define what, what your, your vision of, of uh, happiness is, is, is super important. Yeah, very important. And I guess this is why, you know, we can have coaches to support us to become an Olympian or a top sports person or a great musician or even a great artist. But there seems to be very little focus on, uh, maybe I don't particularly like the words life coach either, but certainly coaches to support us to access those questions, to, Mm. to ask the Um, outcome. And I don't even know if all of us spend enough time deciding what's our, you know, we all get told told about smart goals and to have these visions and manifestation and goals and all of these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But to have someone in your corner as you're going through this and investing that time and money into having someone who wants the absolute best for you is the greatest joy of being a coach, I would imagine. Is that Mm. how you feel? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you know, I think it all kind of comes down to is how can you affect positive change in, in whatever circle that is. So, you know, if you can lead a lifestyle where you're doing that in whatever capacity, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. I think 
uh, Anna Glowinski, who I had on my podcast recently, who is a um, has been a fibromyalgia sufferer, which is super debilitating. So she went from being, you know, an avid mountain biker to bedridden within sort of seven days. And that lasted for a year, you know, intense physical pain. And it turned out to be a psychosomatic type thing, which is this fibromyalgia, chronic fibromyalgia, which they say there isn't a cure for per se. Her her outlook was just analgesics every day. um, Oh, sorry, anesthetics. And basically having to give up all of her passion for adventure sports. But she working with someone else who was a coach or essentially a therapist slash coach, she recovered within a span of two weeks. She was up surfing after a year of being bedridden. So, you know, the power of of being able to provide that sort of thing to someone is amazing. And for me, from my side of the fence, I mean, the positive change I've seen by being part of that, by telling uh, her story is that Anna's had several people. She emailed me yesterday. She said, I've, I've had several people look me up and contact me directly about my fibromyalgia experience and ask me what I should do. And I thought, geez, like me starting this concept last year, mid last year up to now, you know, being able to know that what I created was a conduit for that conversation to then happen. It's going to help people who may be uh, bedridden or whatever, who, who are really struggling with things. That to me is, you know, uh, a legacy to me and something that I never would have thought I'd be able to um, necessarily uh, hang my hat on. But I'm just like, that. That's there's so many elements to that happening, but being part of that is what brings me, you know, a, a lot of joy. So, uh, and it wouldn't have been possible without, the, the service provider, which Anna utilized, but then I'm kind of helping to amplify her story. So, you know, I think we can, there's different paths to get to the same thing, to, to be able to, for us to kind of, you know, assist each other and me even chatting with you today, it's, it's all kind of amplification of these positive things, which go on to help other, which, which creates more positivity, which I'm all about. So um, yeah, because it's kind of a long winded answer to your question. I think from, from my sphere of experience, kind of going back to what I specialize in and having experienced, you know, have a lot of experience in the advertising industry. I guess the other kernel I got out of the advertising industry, which I really do appreciate and am passionate for is, you know, being able to manage my own time um, and having mastery over my own time is something that I've started to turn into my own coaching business. So I work with people who maybe want to launch or, or pursue more of their extraordinary or find more of their passions, but are just getting crushed by this to-do list that is just seems totally overwhelming. Um, one of the good things I've gotten out of working in uh, high-pressure business environments is establishing kind of the workflows, processes, habits, and principles to take control of my own time. So I'm trying to help people with that. So to share that knowledge, um, which is, it's also, I think, probably one of the one of the critical things which stops people sort of shifting from "I have an idea" to "I'm actively pursuing it." Is again their own mastery of time. Like, where do I fit in that 15 minutes a day to start working on my startup? How do I do that with this overwhelming input of stuff that just keeps coming into my life? So, you know, there's actually systems and processes to manage that. Battle tested through so many different professional things I've done. Um, so yeah, that for me is my passion at the moment, sharing that and trying to build a business of coaching that off the back of, uh, doing Epic stuff. 
Yeah, I love it. I love the principle. I love the alignment. And would you say then at the forefront, at the foundation, everything you're talking about to give yourself the time either to be coached to find this way or to spend time looking at your principles, your values, your goals, your mission, what it is, who are you every year, how can you adapt and change? Do you think then if athletes, uh, corporate people, parents, grandparents, if we took the time each year or each few months to really assess ourselves, give ourselves that mind muscle time to actually invest in ourselves, um, which to me, you know, expresses the real love and care for self to do that, to think that you are the priority to make time to do that is a real expression of self-love. Look, I think, to be honest, I think that's probably the true, one of the truest expressions of self-love because at the end of the day, if you're not pursuing your extraordinary, if you're not chasing after that thing or those things in between the fuzz of life, which is always there, that, that gives you that little rush and, and ignites your inspiration and gives you a little buzz. I mean, that's, that's the large part of what's best about life is, is, is pursuing those things. It certainly has been for me. Uh, and the beauty of it is that they are, you know, they're sustainable. So once you get up momentum, you can keep pursuing them. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think being able to do that or find ways to do that or prioritizing that is probably one of the greatest uh, expressions of, of self-love. It certainly has been in my life, and I remind myself of that constantly. Yeah. Well, what is your definition of self-love on that note? <laughs> you can love. I've, I've written down here, my, my priority is literally prioritizing your passions. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Prioritizing your passions. And hopefully your passion is yourself because here's the problem. I've heard many people at different workshops or in coaching situations myself where I'll say, you know, what is your passions? What are your purpose? What is that? Where are you at? And they literally sit there dumbfounded and say they don't know. And I remember asking my grandmother before she passed, what would be your advice to someone who says, I don't know my passion, I don't know my purpose, I don't even know who I am anymore? And her advice, which I've always taken on whenever I felt a bit lost myself, is she said, my dear, it's not that we've lost them, we've just become a bit hazy through exhaustion or through overwhelm. Therefore, the best thing you can do to give your mind, body and soul a break is to serve, serve others. And I've never forgotten it because whenever I've got lost or confused or worried about what I'm doing, I then offer to support at a workshop that I want to attend or I'll ring someone else that I think is doing better than me that I'm able to ring and say, please tell me what you do to keep the magic alive or how could I do something to help you? Because in the act of serving others, we give ourselves a break, but we also get ignited and inspired by positivity around us rather than sitting back and wallowing in that. So when you say that self-love is prioritizing your passions, how do you do that? Or what is the pathway to prioritizing a passion if you don't know what that is? What would be your advice? Yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that one quickly in a sec, Kim, and just add to what you were saying before. I've had multiple people come on this podcast and say, when I was unsure what to do, and these are people who are definitely pursuing their extraordinary stuff now, 
when I was unsure what to do, I volunteered or I signed up for a, um, a government funded uh, volunteering experience overseas and I found myself. And, and I think that that's, that's been proven time and time again. So I think your, your, your suggestion there to, if you're unsure, just start giving in some way or helping that, that is so powerful. And it's been proven, you know, as a process that, that is good for us by, by so many different people. So I, I really like that. That resonates with me for sure. Um, in terms of, so, so your question, Kim, was about pathways to, uh, prioritizing our passions? Was that the? Well, if you have lost that passion and okay, I'm mm. about to go and serve and now, yeah, I realize that part of finding myself is giving of myself. If that's the case and you're saying that self-love is prioritizing my passion, mm-hmm. if I agreed with that, if I was listening to this and went, yes, I would say that self-love is definitely prioritizing my passion but if I didn't know what my passion was, what's another way of saying you love yourself if your passion isn't at the forefront or, you know, in your, you're not living your passion at the moment because you are having to work a nine to five job or you are a full on exhausted, overwhelmed mama or papa bear, or you are, you know, you're in the throes of life where Absolutely. this sounds very luxurious, <laughs> you know, um, to I got to bills to pay guys. Yeah, I can't yeah. be running around chasing passions at the moment. Exactly. I just wanted to bring it a little bit more down to not not that yeah. that's not real or that I don't agree with it and I believe that can be like you always saying a side hustle yep. but if true self-love is prioritizing my passion hmm. is then the passion or could we say that the passion is also finding ourselves and working on ourselves and being coached or mastering the ability to love ourselves is constantly working on that passion and purpose yeah definitely I mean again one of the uh, the my interpretation of doing epic stuff is that the epic is totally subjective so your your interpretation of what is your extraordinary or what your epic is totally up to you uh and it doesn't have to be something like i'm going to suddenly sell the house to launch my startup idea it could be anything that gives you that little thrill in life it could be picking up um your joy of knitting again and making the time in your life to do that but the, the common thread for me and the thing which I'm personally very passionate about and invested in is people learning how to become masters of their own time so that they can create that environment or that space in their everyday life, despite all the crazy shit that's going on and will continue to go on. To just have that pocket because they've taken control of their time and their to-do list have that pocket that whether it's 15 minutes in the morning or 15 minutes before going to bed, that you regularly engage in that little thing, which gives you joy. It's about routine, but it's also about yeah mastery of your time and taking mastery of your time is action in itself. It's you, you will have to make compromises to do that. You will have to watch 15 minutes less Netflix. I had to work weekends for the last year on doing Epic stuff to even get it to the point where I could feel like I could host podcasts. I mean, you have to make those sacrifices. The question is, is having a little bit less of X worth the compromise to create Y? And I think for me, it always is, you know, you can always find fat to cut from your life doing things that you probably don't need to do quite as much of whether it's, you know, television or whatever, 
But, you know, and for some people it's really hard, right? You're a shift worker, you're working overnight, you're getting up during the day, but you just have to do it. You have to be ruthless with this kind of pursuit or prioritization of, of your self-love or passion or whatever it is. So I think that, I mean, because at the end of the day, sometimes you need some tough love. It isn't all fluff. You're going to have to go hard on something to make it a priority sometimes, and it will take sacrifice. But I can, one of the, the few truths of life I can guarantee anyone is that it's always worth it. Whether the result isn't what you envisaged or not, that, that doesn't matter. If you ruthlessly make that little pocket in your life for these things to be explored, you will get joy out of it and it will be worth the sacrifice you've made. And that I can hand on heart uh, is one of the truths of life as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I agree. And then all things lead to more things. And the more you do, the more you get, and the more you give, the more you're actually receiving. And I, I can't agree with you more on that principle of any energy exchange. And I just want to thank you for highlighting that because for many, we do courses or get coached or, you know, um, read books or listen to podcasts in order to be inspired. And yet the truth is, you are only inspired, you know, it only, it only makes a difference in your life when you take action on being inspired or what mm-hmm. are you going to do with that inspiration. And, and I'm so glad you brought up the tough love thing because that's also the beauty of having a coach or a mentor or a supporter or someone who's championing you because some days they are going to be harder on you and maybe on the days that you want to quit, they're going to be in your corner championing you to keep going, but they're also going to give you some structure and maybe just something to do. And what I love about good coaches, therapists, um, holistic integrative doctors, medics that really believe in the whole holistic approach to well-living is that they can often be the person that'll help you see the wood for the trees when you're in amongst it or when you're lying on your bathroom floor or when you're crying because you don't know what it is or who it is you want to be or what you're doing. And I think sometimes embracing that, right, you know, really embracing the the tough times are part of becoming your greater version of self. And we have to experience those things in order to really then understand and complement the beauties of our life which you explained so wonderfully around even the advertising industry. I know we're coming to the end and I really value your time and I've really appreciated this conversation so much. Is there anything in particular from doing epic stuff and all the things you've learned, knowing that you are actually changing lives, knowing that you are, you've created something that, for want of a better word, is really having a ripple effect And maybe, Mike, in ways you don't even understand, maybe you don't get told all the things that are happening for you. Is it about what you get out of it or is the joy for you just simply seeing people, in your words, taking action, making themselves feel good? Yeah, look, I I think, I mean, the, the two are so intrinsically linked for me. I mean, when I see that it, that my concept is having a positive effect. It makes me feel good and makes me want to work harder. So I, I feel like I can't divorce the two. Uh, it's for me, it's kind of about momentum. If you was, if you were to draw a wheel, those two things are part of the momentum wheel and having them both happen is continuing this wheel to keep spinning for me. Um, yeah. So I, I just think they're super intrinsically linked. I think, it becomes really, it can be really tricky to 
Um, I think it would be really tricky for people who are thinking about startups and things like that to think, wow, you know, how do I make this financially viable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To your earlier point, Kim, sometimes you can get a lot of the joy maybe out of what you want to do just, again, volunteering your time for a while. Like that might be the shortcut to if you really work out, you know, actually what I want to do is create positive change and, 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 and I know that feels good to me and I want to do more of that. The quickest path might just be to start giving up a little bit of your time to someone else who's, who's already creating that positive change, whether it's a charity or whatever it is. So, and that will I inevitably get the, the juices flowing about, you know, how can I create my own thing or complement my own thing? So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a kind of a, it's a balancing act and they're both integrated with each other. And, you know, that's definitely kept the excitement alive for me in continuing to pursue this and, and being all in and it being kind of my, my mission. And so, yeah. You're doing a remarkable job and I love your podcast. I love what you're offering. If people wanted to get in touch with you, if people wanted to follow you, talk to us about where they could find you or if they wanted to, to even have a chat with you about being coached or even supported in their own journey to their own epic life. Tell us your platforms of where we can get in touch. Yeah, great. Uh, look, uh, probably the fastest path of least resistance is just to flick me an email to start with. So I'm Mike at doing epic stuff.com. So I'm pretty good at getting back to people via email at the moment. Uh, I do a fortnightly newsletter, which promotes my latest episode of the podcast, but also has like a few little bits of snackable epic content, which I sort of, I might touch on elements of uh, the coaching I do, or just kind of look at stuff that's happening in the world with a little bit of through a doing epic stuff lens and a bit of commentary. It's usually a bit of fun uh, just to tie up the week. Uh, So you can sign up to the doing epic stuff uh, newsletter at mailchimp.doingepicstuff.com forward slash subscribe. Um, yeah, I think they're probably the main ones. The, I'll put in the show notes, the URL to my podcast itself, because it's at the moment it's rerouting through Buzzsprout. So, uh, yeah, I might just pop that in the show notes, but if you Google doing Epic stuff podcast, I'm the only one that pops up thankfully. So you can probably find me that way. It's awesome. Thank you so, so much. And I really want to encourage people and um, to reach out to Mike and certainly give us some feedback in the notes on uh, Facebook and Instagram, what you've got from today's um, big takeaways for me is definitely to follow your heart, continuously work on yourself, um, give yourself that time, master your time. And we all get given 24 hours a day. And how come some people are absolutely championing life? or and how come some others seem to be you know without judgment maybe wasting their life so you know we all get the same number of minutes and hours a day the question is what are you doing with yours to finish up gorgeous Mike could you share with us a a quote maybe I can imagine with you there's probably more than one but one of your favorite (laughs) quotes that really is appealing to you right now cool this is one that I've heard this week while I was on my way back from training, uh, driving home and post-training, post-training Muay Thai, I trained myself. Um, I'm usually pretty buzzed and amped up. And so I usually put on sort of a bit of music, which kind of complements that or kind of just reinforces that I've had a good session and I'm kind of driving home in a good mood. So I was listening to Drake of all people. And Drake said this in one of his tracks, you know, you've made it when you are who you think you are. 
And I thought, geez, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, if you can understand yourself well enough and know what you want clearly enough that the two align, then that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. So I think, yeah, Drake, Drake summed that up really nicely for me. And that's something I might put in my next newsletter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's, I hear Drake every time I'm in the car with my son, we play a lot of rap and Drake is one of the big ones in there. So I love his voice actually. I really yeah. enjoy his videos. I think he's a real smooth operator and oh, I love the smooth. lyrics. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then some of the videos I've seen in his house and his beautiful property and the things that he does. And it's just, insane he's yep. he's extraordinary amazing talent very clever um, mm-hmm. with his his songwriting as well so thank you so much is there a final message you would love to leave to the beautiful listeners of the self-love podcast look I, I think the only real message I'd like to leave is that that you know taking control of what you want to do mastering your time all that sort of stuff it just starts with putting some steps in action uh, and just beginning. And, and, and it sounds cliched, but you know, that's kind of always the hardest part is getting going with these things. So if you can kind of just spend a bit of time today or this week, maybe trying to, to put a, a spot in your calendar that remains blank, that you don't, you don't preconceive what you're going to do in that time, but it's just you time to do something that interests you. That's a really good start for anyone, uh, anywhere, to, to begin this journey of a little bit more self-exploration and a little bit more of a passion-led life. Mike, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being on the Self Love Podcast. I wish you a wonderful day and I hope with all my heart that you continue to do the most epic of epic things. Thank you so <laughs> much, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure, Kim. Thank you a lot. It was great. Welcome to this week's self-love podcast where I get to bring to you another extraordinary guest. Mike Drohan is on a mission to empower more people to find and follow their extraordinary. With a business called Doing Epic Stuff, I think you would uh, be encouraged to know why he is searching and researching the question of why we should care or why we should even go after this. Well, he's been pretty fortunate to live a life greatly enriched by pursuing extraordinary things like mountain biking, Muay Thai boxing. Uh, He does beautiful running events, mountain biking, climbing, rock climbing, all of those sorts of things. So he is fueled by incredible physical epic journeys, but he's also really excited about how we can experience the sustained positive change, in other words, leveling up in all aspects of life. The mission is the intersect of something he's truly passionate about, something he can do best and something that will create positive change. He believes if you can do all three and manage not to go broke in the process, even better. And I think today you're going to find that his background in 15 years in the advertising world, understanding how we're all being sold to and how we are all selling ourselves, for want of a better word, is a really cool topic to dive deeper into because ultimately, if we can find our passion, understand our purpose, and then sell ourselves with real passion and soul, then ultimately, if you can make money from that, if business is your 
go to with that passion and purpose or being the best parent, friend, son, daughter, whatever it is that you're doing, even from an employee point of view, if you can do it with passion, if you can do it with purpose, then you are already streets ahead. I think the other thing I took away from today's podcast is that Mike is someone who is very big on having people in your corner. So he is big on going after having a coach or a mentor or a therapist, someone who can help you discover the principles that you yourself want to live by. I think you're going to really enjoy today's podcast. I cannot wait to hear what you think about it. Please make sure you give your feedback and thoughts. It means the world to me to hear what you think of these extraordinary souls so I can pass on to them your thoughts and feelings. Uh, but you can do that at Kim Morrison 28 Instagram page, my Kim Morrison Facebook page, and also, of course, by following thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. I really look forward to meeting those of you that are signing up. We are filling very quickly and surely for the Essential Self-Care Weekend coming up in August on the Sunshine Coast and in Victoria in October. If you really would like to immerse fully and embrace many of the skills, tools and principles that we talk about in many of the self-love podcast shows, then here's your chance to fully, you know, pull out of the life that you're living, have a two-day break, immerse yourself into learning how to truly nourish and nurture yourself so that when you step back in, you have a whole repertoire of tools that are going to ignite your passion and purpose to live life fully and freely and certainly with a big heart of joy and happiness. Take care, guys. Enjoy today's show. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.